Welcome to the Geek to Geek Podcast, where all the world's a stage. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beej. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm bowing. Are you? Okay. Uh, today am, we're talking about theater for a little bit, because, really because you saw Hamilton, right? Yeah, I did. I did, and I loved it. It was truly magnificent. Uh, I'd said before that Wicked was the uh, biggest spectacle I'd ever seen on stage, and then Hamilton just blew it right out of the water. Yeah, and I mean, like, I know we did an episode when I saw Hamilton last year, and I loved it too. It was so good. So instead of diving deep into Hamilton again, because we've talked about that a lot on the podcast, we thought we'd take it like a step back and just talk about theater in general and where we're sitting with that, because it's kind of interesting. Like, we both like theater. Um, we both think it's fun and it's like a cool medium, but we're definitely coming at it from different angles, you know, like right. I I saw a bunch of theater when I was a kid and like my parents bought us season tickets to a lot of like children's theater and things like that. Oh, cool. Um, and then I know that I have this production background, but I never really did like behind the scenes production for theater specifically. Mine was all video oh, related, but then you okay. have this whole experience where you actually did a lot of acting early on, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. When I was 14, my uh, my art teacher came up to me after a class one day and was like, hey, uh, you and Patrick, he was my friend, uh, you and Patrick are going to uh, try out for the play in the spring that I'm doing. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. She's like, yeah, I really think you should do that. I think it would be good for you. I think you'd be good at it. And it uh, turns out that I decided to. Patrick ended up not. But I ended up really uh going out for it and just falling in love with it like i loved theater at that point it was uh, it kind of got me out of my shell the reason i can do this podcast and talk in front of people and have like no shame and embarrassment is uh really because of miss bowser doing that when i was 14 as a, and a freshman in high school uh, and really getting me to do theater so i did it all through uh high school then i went to college and i was a theater minor in college but uh, I wanted to be a theater major that's really what I wanted to do for a living and I was like 300 pounds though and it got to the point where it was either like I could be a theater major and go and pursue this as a career like I want to do but as a 300 pound dude I'm never going to be able to get anything other than like the side roles the like Paul Giamatti roles and uh, in theater those don't come by terribly often like they may not uh, need someone like that all the time so I decided in, in favor of security and uh, went with English over uh, theater. But I do have technically a degree in theater, even if it is just a minor. Yeah. Well, and you said like you miss doing it these days, right? Oh, God, I do. Like, I go see theater all the time and like local community theater, just different stuff that comes around and traveling shows like Hamilton like this. And it just makes me miss it so much. Just being on stage, just seeing all the audience out there. Just like I'm a ham and I love attention. So like just seeing it is like, man, I miss doing this so much. Like it, it really was something that energized me in a way that I couldn't really, I didn't know at the time how much it did but uh now i'm just like man just just that it's just that weird feeling of being drawn back to doing it sometime yeah and i could see why it's appealing because i've done enough live production that i get it um you know most television live production is a lot of the same idea as theater except your audience is hidden from you because it's behind the Mm -hmm. camera instead um but a lot of the same principles apply so beyond production stuff like my theater background is really just being in the audience that's most of what i've done and like i said we did a lot of like children's theater when i was a kid so i have good memories of that and then um i've seen 
like my wife and I try to go to shows that we're really excited for. So okay. we've done some live podcasts. I know I've talked about that on this podcast. Um, and, you know, we've seen some comedians and some comics and um, the occasional show. Like we made it to Hamilton last year because that was our Christmas present from my parents, which was amazing. And we've seen a couple other Broadway shows as they've come through, like Wicked. Um, you know, Wicked okay. was really solid. I know my wife's seen The Lion King and said it was amazing. You've seen that it one, right? It was. Yeah, The Lion King is awesome. Like, I've never been to New York, so I've never seen an actual Broadway show on Broadway. Uh, Jennifer saw The Little Mermaid on Broadway was the one that she was able to actually go see when she visited. Uh, and she says it's the same way, just just, just fantastic. But I saw a traveling show with The Lion King, uh, like your wife did, and uh, it's, it's just great. It is so beautiful in the way they put it on. Well, and what I would love to do is to get like season tickets to theater and we've just never been able to make the money work. Um, you mm. know, sometime in the next 10 years, we'll be in a spot where both my wife and I are working full time again, um, you know, as the kids get older. And I'm hoping that when we get to that point, we can buy some like season tickets to something in the area. And one of the other cool things is like the Twin Cities actually has a really good theater scene to it. It's not Broadway, but you know almost nothing is broadway and yeah it's like if you're not on broadway the only other two like main equivalents that are close to it is like london because they have a lot of the same type of shows a lot of the same like caliber or chicago chicago actually has a lot too that's like just kind of off broadway but it's a lot of the same broadway shows a lot of the same feel once you get outside did you know that chicago actually closed down their uh, hamilton show I didn't know that that it's not there anymore. That uh, the 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 show that resided in Chicago completely there it actually closed. Yeah, no, I I knew that. I mean, I know it's still traveling the country, and then right. they announced that they're gonna do you know that live cast recording of Hamilton, and then that's gonna come out in like uh, two years, a year and a half, something like that. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's just right along, right along there. I think twenty twenty two, maybe yeah. twenty. No, it's twenty twenty one. Yeah, that, that sounds is. right. It's somewhere in there. It's still a ways out, but it's definitely like on the horizon. Um, but yeah, I mean, but yeah, Chicago, the Twin Cities, we actually have like a good theater scene. Like we have a whole theater district and then we also have the Guthrie, which is not exactly in the theater district with everything else, but it's really good. And it has like four different stages with four different configurations for different types of shows. So oh, cool. You could go and you can get season tickets to the Guthrie um, or you can go and get season tickets to Hennepin Theater Trust or you could do both if you have enough money. Um, I don't have enough money for either at the moment, but I would love to <laughs> um, at, at some point. I, I hope to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's cool that it's like it's so close and that I love doing it and I want to get back around to it at some point. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I really hate in the area where we are is that we don't have a theater scene like that. We don't have that that I don't even know if it's an industry or how to put it just that that we have community theater that's pretty heavy here that that does really really good stuff, but it's not like that. It's not professional theater. Uh because we're a little off the uh not even off the beaten path. It's just like we're not a big enough metropolitan area where it's like Nashville has T-Pac and uh, Huntsville has the Von Braun center where there's a lot of traveling shows and season tickets that go along there but all of that's like at least an hour away for us so season tickets don't uh, make nearly as much sense if we could just go into the you know go into town drive a little bit further that way because nashville where we would want to is like two and a half to three hours away at this point so going to hamilton was great but that's not a trip we're gonna make every uh, few weeks for the season 
Yeah, well, and we're really lucky here just because, like, the Guthrie has, like, four main stages that are always full and busy. Right. And then the Hennepin Theater Trust has they have a lot of smaller theaters, too, kind of like what you're talking about. But they probably have four or five main stages downtown in the theater district. So if oh, you wow. look at it on any given day, we probably have about, like, nine main stages that are all downtown within a couple blocks of each other. So... There's a lot. There's a lot that we could go see. And like I said, over time, I just hope that my wife and I can keep going to more because both of us enjoy going to shows and stuff. Um, but all of that to say, you and I both like theater a lot. So I thought we could talk a little bit before we jump off the topic into just like, what are some of the, the favorite things that you've seen? And one of them I know for you is Hamilton because it's top of right. mind. Yeah, I mean, Hamilton is top of mind. It is by far like the one that I was looking forward to the most out of any show I've ever seen. Um, and I thank you for that because I wasn't going to listen to Hamilton until you just kept on about it for like a year during like season one, I think, of the podcast. Here. Oh, it's really good. Uh, like, it's really, really good. And uh, so waiting that long for it, it, it lived up to it. Like, I saw a bootleg before, and I knew what to expect. And I listened to a lot of the cut show, uh, or the cut songs from the show, and tons of stuff. Well, any of the live performances where they did scenes all of it but it didn't matter like seeing it in person was just such a totally different vibe that uh, just watching it even knowing how they did the choreography on some of it was just it didn't matter it's like it was seeing it for the first time because it's just so different when something's live like we had a really interesting hamilton when we did it like he was not he didn't play it like lynn he didn't play the he played it a lot more uh uh stodgy kind of a lot lot more stiff but it ended up working after i got used to it at the very beginning he wasn't that whiny hamilton at the beginning like you're kind of used to so it took a little bit to get used to the casting of this one uh but i think that's the case when anybody is used to listening to the original soundtrack for uh for a show before they see it yeah i felt the same way with like hamilton and with washington in the cast that i right. was into they're both really good it was just different than what i was used to from like the broadway recording I was really impressed by our Washington that, I mean, he wasn't nearly as good a singer as uh, uh, Chris Jackson was, but there's nobody who is really. And, uh, but he was great. Like he had that presence. Like it was something that Jennifer and I were talking about on the way home. It's like to play that part, you actually have to have just this, this presence on stage. And this guy had it just looking at him. He's like, yeah, that guy could be the general. That guy, that guy's definitely George Washington. And Hamilton has made it so that now, whenever I think of any of the founding fathers of America, I think of people of color. That I thought, I heard something on NPR one day or on the radio or something about how George Washington owns slaves. And I was like, I sat there, I was like, it's so weird. Like, I would never have expected a black guy to own slaves. And it was like, no. Nope. That's that's because that's Hamilton, BJ. You're not thinking of history, man. And it was just very odd that I just think of the founding fathers as being people of color now, just automatically. That's interesting, even though they're definitely not. They're all a bunch definitely of white not. guys. They're, they're old white British dudes. I mean, that's as far away from the, uh, you know, the Puerto Rican Lin-Manuel Miranda as you really get. And uh, But that's what I think about. Hamilton has completely changed my perspective on how I see these characters. Cool. Well, I'm glad people, you, I guess. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it so much. I know we kind of talked about like Wicked's a good show and, you know, The Lion King is cool if you ever get a chance to see those. Um, but I, 
But you kind of touched on the fact that like community theater is out there too. And I wanted to say that like community theater can be really good. I mean, it, it, it's yes. more hit and miss. You know, it's always a roll of the dice. But you can see really good community theater productions. And sometimes you see really cool things. Sometimes they're professional. Sometimes it's community theater. But there's all of these different types of theater, which if you haven't gone very often, which uh, again, I probably haven't gone nearly often enough in the last 15 or 20 years, but I went a lot more when I was a kid, um, you know, where it's not just like you looking into a stage. There are things right. where there's like a thrust stage that like comes out partially into the audience. There are things like theater in the round where like you are literally all the way around the stage and all the action yep. takes place in the middle. That's one of my favorites. Um, you have stuff like black box where it usually tends to be very minimal, which sometimes black mm -hmm. box is theater in the round, but you know, it's kind of just like a couple props and people in costumes, if they're even in costumes, most of the time. Yeah, we saw a production of King Lear at the local university's uh, black, box theater, black Box Theater, and it was a, a company from London. They were a professional Shakespeare company uh, who had come in and the university had hired, and they did Lear, but they didn't... I think I talked about this as Geekery one week a long time ago, uh, they didn't wear costumes. They all played multiple parts. So they would have like different mannerisms or in order to know they're playing a specific character, they might have a shawl over their left uh, shoulder. And that was it. Like, that, well, they might have a gold shawl over their left shoulder. And in order to play the uh, the next character, they would have a green one over their right. Like just stuff like that. And the entire set was four like metal chairs and a tarp. Like it was one of the best productions of Shakespeare I've ever seen. It it was just so interesting on how they were able to pull all of it off. That that's what like black box theater and these minimalist shows and things like that can do is really take the the medium of theater and make it like that's what I love about theater is that you can take it and do so many different things with it that it it completely changes depending on the location the the venue the people who are doing it and whether or not you wear costumes i mean just that alone just seeing an ordinary like uh, shakespeare play like shakespeare in the park but just wearing street clothes would change everything about it yeah it's super interesting and like some of the more minimal shows that I've seen, I've seen really cool monologues before, you know, where it's just like a single person, a one man show or one woman show or whatever. And yep. some of those are super weird and avant-garde and off the wall. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, what am I even watching? But it's such a small audience that you're committed and you're like, well, I'm sitting here, whatever happens, I'm watching this. But then there are other ones that just completely draw you in and it's some of the best stuff that you've ever seen. So there's, there's a ton of things out there. Probably my favorite um, theater thing that I've seen outside of like Hamilton is right. um, we saw a production of Two Gentlemen of Verona, which is Shakespeare, if you guys aren't familiar mm -hmm. with it. I wasn't familiar with it at all. I'd never seen it or read it or anything. And it was amazing because one of the things with Shakespeare is that you can take it, leave the words alone, and transport it into basically any era or any setting and make it work somehow. And yes. This was like um, sometime in the 50s, maybe like late 40s, sometime like just after World War II. 
and it was all through the the lens of like a television production so it must have been like 50s ish um but it there were these like old school 50s cameras on the sides that were like shooting into it and then there was almost hmm. a secondary production built on top of it where you could see the filming of it going on as they're on stage in the round it was it was really weird but it was really well done and it was probably one of my favorite things that i've ever seen so just hmm. seeing people play with the format and the setting and all the things that you can mix and match when you're doing live theater like that is really cool and that's what makes me sad about theater too it's like that production of lear or not lear that's that production of two gentlemen of verona i have no chance of seeing that 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 was an experience that you had theater is an experiential medium where once you have that experience there is no way to either replicate the audience and the interaction and the energy they give the actors and the actresses how they get up there and they interact and what all is going on as well as just that kind of venue with the cameras and the way they're recording it on different levels that will not be able to be replicated and once that strut that set is struck it's done like it doesn't exist it never will exist and uh, unless it's a traveling show which most of these aren't no one is going to see that again you are there at the right time to be able to have that experience stick with you and like be able to carry that art with you and that's something that you share with that finite amount of people those finite people who got to see that show have that shared experience and no one else will or does or ever will yeah and it makes it hard right it makes it hard to like recommend like we can say go see hamilton because hamilton's amazing right. and that's easy but it's really hard to just be like oh yeah go out and see more theater which we all should probably do it's a good thing um but it's hard because you got to make the timing work you got to be in the right place at the right time it takes money like theater is not cheap you know like it's it can what it can be but it's not necessarily like tickets can be a lot just like they can for any show that you're seeing, yep. you know, like a comedy or a musician or anything like theater tickets can be expensive. Um, but, you know, it, it's different, too, than you could always go pick up a play and read it. But seeing it is a completely different thing. Right. And that's that's one thing as an English teacher that I've had to drill into people's heads. I mean, I had to get it drilled into mine. Don't get me wrong. From 14 to, to now, I've had to have it drilled into my head that reading and seeing plays are entirely different. And that just because you've read a play like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, it was uh, published as the uh, script and as a hardcover. Uh, that's completely different than seeing it. Like, I believe the Fantastic Beasts books uh, are actually just the... Uh, uh, screenplays that have been published, if I'm not mistaken, and that's completely different than seeing that on on stage or on film. And it takes a different kind of reading style to do that because these aren't meant to be read. Like that's one thing I always told my my students that whether you're reading Shakespeare or you are reading Harry Potter and the Cursed Child or you're reading you know Death of a Salesman, whatever uh, Oedipus Rex. Uh, now I'm just li listing things. Um, whatever it is that you're doing, it was never, ever intended to be to be just read unless that uh, author is a literary playwright. At that point, they start really thinking about it being read and studied. But for the most part, 
these are written to be spoken out loud. So if something's not making sense, if you're reading it and you're getting bored, like with Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, read it out loud. Like you will not have more fun than getting a group of people together, giving out parts and doing something like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child together. Like that will bring it alive because it was meant in every single way to be spoken aloud. That's why there are table reads before any kind of TV show goes on. That's why you go through so many months of rehearsals uh, to make the voices sound so uh, so natural. Because if you're just sitting there reading it, and cold, that's why cold reading is so hard when you're auditioning. You ne- you have no idea how you're supposed to say it because the author didn't mean for you just to read it in your head. You know, it's it's something that I'm really really passionate about, as you can obviously see. Uh, because if you say you don't like theater because of having to read plays in school, you have no idea if you like theater or not until you've sat in the audience of different kinds and been like, nope, still not for me. And that may be the case. But if you've just read them in class, that's not theater. That's you reading some scripts. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, So I think all of that to say that if you have the time and the means, probably go see more theater because... I, I need to take that advice, too. I need to take my own advice because yeah. I haven't done enough of that in the last years and years, really, since we had kids and then less money because of it. Right. Um, yeah. I'm but- very lucky that my nephew loves theater and that ever since he was a little kid. And so he's been involved in school plays. And also, whenever something in the community theaters come up around here that he wants to go see, he'll want us to go with him. So that's got us to go see just different plays around town, not even just kids shows or anything, just plays because like my nephew's wanting to go see a player maybe he wants to audition for it so we're going to go see that like it's really helped that way and most community theater is fairly cheap like it's they're not even really making money they're trying to recoup costs most of the time so uh they're not expensive like you know seeing a traveling broadway show or something so i love supporting your local community theater is a fantastic way to to just support your community because it really does help a lot of different demographics you should y'all should totally look into it if you guys have any recommendations for stuff we should see if we get the chance i would definitely be open to that please do yeah um that's probably it for the main topic don't forget you can support us on patreon if you go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast you can help us and it helps host the show and pay for all the costs that we incur and also helps us expand the network which is really why we're doing all of it to get more community more people more engagement um We just keep trying to build that community, and it's going really well. It's awesome to talk to everybody that we've gotten to know through the network. And speaking of the network, there's all sorts of stuff. There's podcasts, there's streamers, there's the blog, where there's a lot of content these days. You can get all of it at geek2geekmedia.com, or you can go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe and get it sent right to you. With that, it's time for Weekly Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What do you got this week? Uh, Well, I started watching Altered Carbon again because the new season of it's coming out. Um, it I forgot how good it was. I forgot how much I love this story <laughs> that uh, I've listened to the audiobook probably half a dozen times. I've watched the first season of this only once and I just love it. This cyberpunk uh, the cyberpunk noir thing just really gets me this hard-boiled detective fiction and I think it's the 27th of February that it comes out and I am crazy excited for it. And Renee Elise 
Goldsberry is in it, who is Angelica in the original cast of Hamilton. Uh, she plays Kelquist Fa- Falconer. I can't say that name to save my life out loud because of my mouth not liking the sounds, but it, she's in it, and it's awesome. Um, so I've been starting watching that one. Um, I've started playing uh, Snack World on uh, Switch. It came out on Friday and we have a Discord channel for it now because there are a lot of people playing it. Um, it's like a cute Diablo style action RPG where you uh, everything is based on food. Um, it's, it's actually really fun. You can do a lot of online play. Think about Diablo mixed with Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles uh, but where everything is food puns and you pretty much have the game. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun so far. Cool. Uh, you haven't picked it up yet, have you? No, but I knew that you were excited, and you're playing with other people in the community, which is awesome. Yep. Yeah, so I haven't gotten to play a whole lot with the community. Like, you can do random online matches, um, and that's all I've been able to do so far, just because of lining stuff up. But it is really, really cool. Um, I expect the later parts of the game are going to be better than the beginning, uh, but it does have so much personality. I mean, the second boss, like, poops out the item literally poops out the item you're there to get it's it's <laughs> hilarious all right uh, he's called the crappin you're uh you're releasing the crappin um it's great like it is my kind of game through and through uh, and then we started watching sex education season two uh which is absolutely not something you should watch with your family it is very adult themed but it has uh asa butterfield in it who played ender in the enders game movie um and jillian uh, anderson who was scully on the the X-Files, um, and they are mother and son, and they are absolutely delightful, and uh, if you like, you just just look it up if uh, you love those people like I do. Uh, seeing them interact with this topic very, may be one of my, it is one of my favorite shows on Netflix. Cool. That's awesome. I, like I mentioned, I think the last time you and I recorded together, I'm trying to like take it a little bit more easy and just like space right. out my geekery and just take time with things. Um, and part of that is there aren't really new video games coming out. Like we are nearing the end of February and I haven't actually bought a game this year, which is super weird for me. There's just nothing like new. none. No, I mean, I just haven't spent any money on cause there's nothing new coming out. Like if there was right. a new thing I was excited about, I'd absolutely buy it. But here we are. <sighs> um, so I'm probably 75% of the way through my second playthrough of fire emblem three houses. I'm on the blue lines route and the end is in sight. So nice. I'm hoping to push through that in the next week or two and kind of finish it off and then take another break before I go back for round three at some point. But it'll probably be the same thing where I take like a multi-month break between them because that's a long game um it's good it's just a long game and then um one of the books that i read recently i've been trying to read more books i'm currently sitting at i think i've read 15 books this year if i remember right um which is literally three times the amount i read all of last year and we're only in february so that's probably a good thing um but one of the ones i wanted to highlight was the calculating stars have you ever heard of Hmm. this book no, I haven't heard of this one. Okay, so it's by Mary Robinette Cowell, and it's this like alternate history 1950s where um, right as like the space race is kind of starting to take off a little bit um, before they ever get to the moon, you know, really they're in like early stages, and this giant meteor hits basically the Upper East Coast or like, you know, the Northeast Coast of the United States and Mm -hmm. completely changes everything that we know after that point. So the space race is no longer about just beating like the Russians to the moon, which is kind of really the driving force of what was happening before. But it's about getting out into the universe because 
we don't know if the consequences of that meteor hitting the earth are going to actually like cause global warming much much faster than we've seen in like our real life um hmm. so they're like we kind of have to escape and like get to a secondary planet um and then it's all the consequences of that all the fallout of that um and so it's called the female astronaut series because hmm. it's about like getting it, it really it gets women into the space program faster than they did in real life because colonization becomes an issue very quickly they're like oh we got to get off this planet we need women there too and so it's kind of like women in the 1950s fighting for more modern day rights faster than they did in the our actual timeline um and okay. then all of that wrapped around space and the space race and science fiction stuff that i love so it was a fantastic book. Um, I read the first one, and I'm definitely going to pick up the second one, which I think is more about like the next stages after getting to the moon, so like getting to Mars and stuff like that. But it's a really, really good read. She is great. Like I've never read any of her long form fiction. I've read her short stuff, and she is one of the hosts of the Writing Excuses podcast with Brandon Sanderson. So I'm very aware of her, her writing style, her her like uh, ethos on everything and uh, politics. So it's uh, I'm glad to know that like the long form stuff holds up like the short does. Yeah, and she's the narrator for the audiobook version too. Which is oh, really yeah. cool. I like when she, the author is also like the performer. And she has a really good voice, too. So it's a good reading voice. Yeah, so I highly recommend it. The Calculating Stars, it was really good. It's probably out of the 15 books I've read so far this year, my f- number one, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I would. Yeah, it's, it's my number one as of this moment for the year. So nice. I recommend it. That's probably it for this week. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack, Discord, and Reddit. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all the other content on the network. I blog at agreenmushroom.com. You can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on Disney Forever, a podcast where we watch and react to different Disney movies every week. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with two E's. And you can listen to me even more on the Dragon Quest FM podcast, where we talk about the Dragon Quest series of RPGs. <laughs> We've been Void and Beej with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, y'all. 